Hello, brothers and sisters. Happy Sunday. My name is Ambassador Mande Ogwojo Ogwe, and this is Otakada Cyber Church Ministries, where we are seeding the nations and God is transforming lives through the timeless truth in His Word. And uh, our goal is to connect, engage, and convert 100 million souls on or before 2040. So stay with us and build with us. Uh, the beauty with God's word is that the more we meditate, not memorize, meditate on God's word, the more transformation begins to take place in our life. The much needed transformation in the body of Christ so that we can go out there and make a difference in the world around us. Our, our aim is to equip you to do the work of ministry. And today we bring you our part 33 to Enough is Enough to Captivity of Satan and Welcome to Freedom in Christ Jesus. Can spirit-filled Christians be under the influence of demonic uh, evil entities? This is part C of that, um, of that uh, title. And plus how people, uh, including Christians, get exposed to the dark realm and need of the Holy Spirit baptism. Plus get the nine steps process, uh, nine step process script to total self-deliverance plus one testimony of deliverance from exposure to rock music for your application. Uh, our target content count today is 2,220,330 and today is 27 Sunday the 27th of June uh, 2021. Friends, uh, again welcome to part 33 of Enough is Enough to Captivity of Satan and, uh, and welcome uh, to Freedom in Christ Jesus. Now, the need for Holy Spirit baptism for power to confront demonic forces, that's the first title we want to highlight. So let me lay some scriptural foundation on this subject of Christians that are under oppression of the demonic forces. The key element in our ability to wage a successful campaign against the realm of wickedness is the living, breathing presence of the Holy Spirit in us. Brothers and sisters, we all have the Holy Spirit when we confess Christ Jesus, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and became uh, joint heirs with Christ. By the way, so many Christians are not baptized in the Holy Ghost. They got water baptism, but not the baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. And I will prove that to you pretty shortly. Now, let's read Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. It says, I baptize you with water, and this is John speaking. I baptize, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And now here Jesus, when he rose from, from, the, grave, from the grave, in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, when he was engaging uh, with his disciples. And this is what he said, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, Amplified Bible Classic Edition. And while being in their company and eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, of which he said, You have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but not many days from now you shall be baptized with, uh, uh, placed in, introduced to, into the Holy Spirit. In Acts also chapter 2, uh, verses 38 to 39, when this event took place, uh, Peter said, Repent 
and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call and also Acts chapter 5 verse 32 states and we are his witnesses to these things and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him now let us look at the outplay of the above scriptures of Matthew chapter 3 verse 11, Acts chapter 1 verses 3 to 4, Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 8 with Philip and the Samaritans and Simon the sorcerer, observe the process of sharing the word, healing, casting out demons, water baptism and subsequently baptism in the Holy Spirit and a call to repentance as it applies to the churches mentioned above. So let's read Acts chapter 8 verses 4 to 28. So fast in your seatbelt because it's a little bit long uh, reading. It's about uh, 21 verses. Now those who were scattered abroad went about through the land from place to place preaching the glad tidings, the word, the doctrine concerning the attainment through Christ of salvation in the kingdom of God. Philip, the deacon, not the apostle, went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed Christ the Messiah to them, the people. And great crowds of people with one accord listened to and heeded what was said by Philip as he heard him and watched the miracles and wonders which he kept performing from time to time. For foul spirits, came out of many who were possessed by them, screaming and shouting with a loud voice, and many who were suffering from palsy or were crippled were restored to health. And there was great rejoicing in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had formerly practiced magic arts in the city to the utter amazement of the Samaritan nation claiming that he himself was an extraordinary and distinguished person. They all paid earnest attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is that exhibition of the power of God which is called great, at his intense. And they were attentive and made much of him, because for a long time he had amazed and bewildered and dazzled them with his skill in magic arts. But when they believed the good news, the gospel about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, as Philip preached it, they were baptized both men and women. Mark that word, baptized both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. He had heard to, trusted in, and relied on the teaching of Philip. And after being baptized, mark that word, being baptized, devoted himself constantly to him and seeing signs and miracles of great power which were being performed, he was utterly amazed. And then I go to verse 14. It says, Now when the apostles, special messengers at Jerusalem, hear that the country of Samaria had accepted and welcomed the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And they came down and played, prayed for them that the Samaritan might receive what? The Holy Spirit. Mark that word, the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them, but he had only been baptized in the name, into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then the apostles laid their hands on them one by one, and they received the Holy Spirit. However, when Simeon saw that the Holy Spirit was imparted through the laying on of the apostles' hand, he brought money and offered it to them, saying, Grant me also this power and authority, in order that anyone whom I place my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Destruction overtake your money and you, because you imagine you could obtain the free gift of God with money. You have neither part 
nor lot in this matter, for your heart is all wrong in God's sight. It is not straightforward or right or true before God. So repent of this depravity and wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, this contriving thought and purpose of your heart may be removed and disregarded and forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in a bond forged by iniquity to fetter souls. And Simon answered, Pray for me, beseech the Lord both of you, that nothing of what you have said may befall me. Now, verse 25 to final verse, Now when the apostles had borne their testimony and preached the message of the Lord, they went back to Jerusalem, proclaiming the glad tidings, gospel, to many villages of the Samaritans on the way. Comments I must highlight here that without the Holy Spirit baptism, our ability to fend off attacks will be uh, weakened indeed. We can see from above that there was water baptism in verse 13. Also that Simon the sorcerer also got baptized in water, obviously confessed Christ like some of us today. Did the demonic spirit of sorcery leave Simeon? Of course not. He also wanted power so he can give the Holy Spirit to others by laying on of hands. Read through to uh, 24th verse. You see that Simon, as per confession and water baptism, was a Christian, but still a sorcerer. So many in Christendom today carried every junk from past life, never repented or re renounced old life, uh, uh, old worldly uh, life and evil practices as Simon was instructed to do, and still have links back to the satanic realm. Some have never renounced uh, the link to the demonic, although not actively practicing. But by initial agreement, they are tied to the realm of the darkness and open like a wide gate to the demonic realm, who can come to plunder whenever, however, and whatever they desire done. Remember that Satan is a legal expert, extraordinary. You can't cut deals with the devil and just Im imagine that a confession will cut it. There's a need for repentance and renunciation to bring every link to the satanic realm down and burn every asset you have had linking you to that realm. And also, going through deliverance to detach self and others from the demon that enforces that covenant. Simon needed deliverance from links to sorcery as instructed by Peter in verse 22 downwards. Simon himself knew he needed help as highlighted in verse 24. It would be rash to assume that Simon no longer needed deliverance from demon even after he believed and was baptized. The Holy Spirit does not come to dwell us, indwell us, because we are already perfect. The Holy Spirit comes to help us so that we may become perfect. Yes, our spirit is renewed, but our mind or soul and body is still undergoing transformation. You read Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Those two realms where the demonic lodge when we provide doorways to him. If you have not received the Holy Spirit, please follow the link or uh, go to our website and just type, do a search on Holy Spirit baptism. And there will be several links there that will allow you to be able to do that. There are many warnings to Christians to be on their guard against the attack of Satan. Peter, speaking specifically to Christians, says, Be sober. In, uh, that is in First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 9. So be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, 
knowing that the same suffering are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. There are two parts to Peter's admonition. First, we are to be self-controlled and vigilant, otherwise we will not detect the presence or activities of demons. Second, we are to resist demonic pressures, taking an active stand against them. If we obey these instructions, we shall be victorious. But if we are not self-controlled and vigilant, we will fail to recognize and resist our enemies. Then they will invade us and seek to destroy us. The most serious mistake we can make is to act as if there is no danger. Certain passages in the New Testament warn us explicitly against exposing ourselves to demons. One tool Satan uses regularly for this purpose is deception. In 1 Timothy, Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, Paul's warning is urgent. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Paul speaks here about people who, though yielding to the influence of demons, depart from the faith. Obviously, they could not depart from the faith unless they had been in the faith. As Christians, they had apparently opened themselves up to the seven demons and consequently turned away from their faith in Christ. Our only safeguard is to be vigilant at all times and to resolutely reject all demonic pressures and deception that come against us. How people, including Christians, get exposed to the dark realm and the need of Holy Spirit baptism. Now the devil chooses the weakest moment and the weakest place. Now to attempt a comprehensive explanation of all the possible ways is for is far beyond the scope of this message. We'll simply uh, describe several examples of moments or places of weakness through which demons habitually gain access to human personalities. Number one, a family background in the occult or false religion. Number two, other negative prenatal influences. Number three, pressures in early child childhood. Number four, emotional shocks or sustained emotional pressure. Number five, sinful acts or habits. Number six, laying off of hands, laying on of hands. Number seven, idle words. Let us look at each of these areas of vulnerability. Number one, a family background in the occult or false religions. In Exodus 23 to 5, the Lord warns of the evil consequences when people become involved in idolatry or false religion. You shall have no other gods before me or beside me. You shall not make for yourselves any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or as in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. God warns against all forms of idolatry or other involvement with false gods. The evil consequences of these particular sins can extend to four generations. Counting backwards for four generations gives us four levels of ancestors, that is 30 persons. Any or all of these 30 persons could be a channel through whom we may be exposed to satanic influence. I doubt if any of us can guarantee that none of our 30 immediate ancestors was ever involved in any form of occult or false religion. This occult influence can begin while we are still in the womb. After all, what is weaker or more helpless than an unborn baby? It is entirely dependent on its parents for protection. 
righteous, God-fearing parents provide that protection. But parents with an occult background expose their babies to the same spiritual influences that are at work in their own lives. We have discovered that such babies are often demonized before they emerge from the womb. This is particularly true of people with backgrounds in Eastern religions such as Hinduism or Buddhism or other form false religions such as Freemasonry or Mormonism. Number two, other negative prenatal influences. Other negative forces may also affect an unborn child and expose it to demonic influence. A mother may resent or even hate the baby in her womb. Perhaps the mother is not married or the father is unfaithful and irresponsible or the mother may simply not want a child. One thing a baby longs for, both before and after it is born, is love. When it does not feel love, it will probably begin to feel unwanted. This will in turn expose it to a deeper wound, rejection. Many babies are born with a spirit of rejection already in them. Mothers who were already having a hard time making ends meet resent the prospect of yet another mouth to feed. They may or may not have verbalized their resentment, but the sensitive little personalities in the womb felt it and came forth already carrying a spirit of rejection. This is just one of the various demons that may affect an unborn child. A woman carries such rejection spirit because the mom never wanted a baby at the time this woman was conceived. At age 40, this woman was saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and in water. She was already in the Lord's service, yet she had an ongoing battle rejection until the demon was identified and driven out. So many Christians are in that category. Deliverance has come in Jesus' name. Amen. Now get ready to follow the uh, nine-step process. The uh, nine-step process. Okay. Now number three. Uh, pressures on early childhood. Okay, we're looking at the um, we're looking at how people, including Christians, get exposed to the dark realm and the need for Holy Spirit baptism. So, number three, pressures in early childhood. In James chapter three, verse sixteen, we are one where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Broken strife-thorn homes in which parents are in bitter conflict with each other and all have little time for their children provide an atmosphere that invites the presence and activity of demons. Most young people lack the necessary emotional and spiritual defenses to withstand such demonic pressure. Observation is that most demonic problems begin in childhood. In families in which the father has been an alcoholic or cruel and dominating or violent and abusive, girls often develop an intense hatred of men, which opens the door for the demon of hate. This is particularly true if the father has abused his daughter sexually. Other demons that commonly exploit such children are rejection, anger, fear, rebellion, misery, loneliness, depression, sometimes suicide. In the West, there has been an alarming increase in the number of teenage suicides. In the U.S., from 1952 to 1992, the incidence of suicide among adolescents and young adults nearly tripled. In 1992, more teenagers and young adults died from suicide than from cancer, heart disease, AIDS, uh, birth defects, strokes, pneumonia, influenza, and chronic lung disease combined. In almost all of these cases, according to diagnosis, the demon of rejection opened the way for the demon of suicide. Number four, 
uh, ways that we can get hooked in the demonic. Emotional shock or sustained emotional pressure. That's number four. In First Peter chapter 3, verse 6, the apostle explains that Christian women may qualify as daughters of Sarah. If you do good and are not afraid with any terror, the Greek word translated terror has a wide range of meanings. One lexicon describes it as any vehement emotion, passionate excitement. Another renders it either actively as intimidation or passively as terror. Women often, but not always, have weaker emotional defenses than men. They are especially subject to fear. One woman had a spirit of fear that had entered when a frightened automobile accident took place right in front of her. Today, the vast coverage of the media means that millions around the world are exposed to sudden shocking incidents. A brutal murder or a bus blown up or a building exploding may leave an indelible impression not only on the victims who survive but on all the men, women and children who view the horror again and again on television. Men as well as women are subject to many other forms of emotional pressure. Both men and women are subject, for example, to the passionate excitement of sexual desire. Sudden, unpremeditated yielding to such desire can often open the door to a spirit of loss. Indulging in sexual fantasies or watching pornography can have the same effect. It sometimes happens too that a child or a young person subject to sexual assault may in that way unwittingly open up to a demon of loss. The demon has no respect for innocence, but simply uses this moment of weakness to force its way in. From that moment on, the child or the young person subjected to pressure of loss that are not the expression of anything in his or her character. But it's not always a sudden surge of emotion that opens the way to a demon. It may be some persistent, unrelenting pressure. A man who, through no fault of his own, has to spend many weary months without employment may begin to broaden over his inability to provide for his family. Discouragement may affect him in, ver in various ways. Some tactless remark by his wife or trivial disobedience by his children may provoke a sudden outburst and open the way for a demon of anger to slip in. Or the continuing pressure of enforced inactivity may open him up almost imperceptibly to a dark spirit of depression or hopelessness. Similarly, a woman whose husband continually belittles and criticizes her may finally yield to a spirit of hopelessness, or a mother seeking to protect her child from dangers that are often more imaginary than real may project a spirit of anxiety on the youngster until the spirit forces its way in and takes up residence in the child. Obviously, there are many kinds of emotional shock or pressure to which people may be subjected, but this few examples may alert you to this form of demonic attack and help you build up your defense against it. Number five, sinful acts or habits. Those are ways that the money can come into our lives. Sometimes a single decisive act that may open the way to a demon. The decision of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus was such an act. When he went out from the Last Supper with his, this intention, Luke records then Satan entered Judas, Luke 22, 3. Judas himself opened the door that he could not afterward close. Actions much less heinous than that of Judas may open the way for a demon. Once a woman was being prayed for who needed deliverance from the spirit of loss. When the demon was commanded to come out of her, it answered, she invited me in. When did she do that? The minister asked. When she went to 
that dirty sex movie the demon replied the woman had to repent and ask forgiveness for her sin before the demon could be compelled to leave her we need to remember that satan is a legal expert when some sinful act has opened the way for a demon it will not leave until the sinful act has been confessed and cancelled by god's forgiveness any act of deliberate wrongdoing may open the way for a demon many such acts are possible telling a premeditated lie for instance or shoplifting or cheating on, exam on exams again it may not be a single act that opens the door it may well be the deliberate persistent practice of a single act that eventually becomes a habit secret sins like repeated masturbation or fornication or pornography almost inevitably open the way for demons but other more respectable habits can have a similar effect frequent overeating opens a way for a demon of gluttony persistent daydreaming opens the door to a spirit of fantasy habitual exaggeration in conversation opens the way for a lying spirit number six laying on of hands that's another way that demons are transferred laying on of of a person uh, laying hands on a person in a prayer is not just a picture Picture religious ritual, picture religious uh, ritual. It can be a powerful spiritual experience, a temporary interaction between two spirits through which supernatural power is released. Normally, the power flows from the one laying on of laying on hands to the one on whom hands are laid. But at times, it can flow the other way. The power may do either good or evil. It may emanate from the Holy Spirit or from a demon, depending on the one from whom it flows. For this reason, Paul established certain safeguards. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, he wrote, nor share in other people's sin. Keep yourself pure, 1 Timothy 5.22. In other words, be careful with whom you follow, allow your spirit to interact. The laying of hands should be done reverently and prayerfully. Any person participating should make sure he or she is not thereby. Is not thereby. Impulse was sharing another person's sins. It is a mistake to turn a group of people loose and encourage them to lay hands indiscriminately on one another. The following brief testimony from a woman called Ruth illustrates the danger. In 1971, I was attending a charismatic meeting, and the speaker asked people to stay stand if they wanted prayer for healing. I had a bad cold, so I stood. He then instructed people seated nearby to lay their hands on us and pray for our healing. Four or five prayed for me. When I awoke the next morning, my cold was better, but my fingers were all curled up and stiff and hurting. Immediately I thought someone with arthritis laid hands on me last night. I renounced the spirit of arthritis and within five minutes all the symptoms were gone. I was a very young believer, less than one year old, and I have been so grateful to God for teaching me then to be careful who lays hands on me. Number seven, idle words. Those are other ways that the demonic can come into Christians. This is an area in which many of us are caught off guard, yet one about which Jesus gave us some of his most solemn warning. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 to 37 says, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What are idle words? They are words we utter thoughtlessly, words that do not express our real thoughts or intentions. When we are called in question concerning such words, we often excuse ourselves by saying, I didn't really mean it, or I was only joking, as though this 
This releases us from responsibility. It is precisely these idle words that Jesus warns us against. The fact that many Christians are habitually guilty of speaking idle words does not make it less serious. In fact, anyone who considers this warning of Jesus to be unimportant needs to repent. Idle words can open the door to demons. A feat of exasperation, a person may say, uh, I am sick and tired of whatever it may be. He does not mean it literally, but he might, maybe, open, opening the door to a demon of sickness or tiredness. Words concerning death are particularly dangerous. Many times people say, I nearly died, died life laughing. Or you will die when you hear this one. Death is a dark, evil power, and we are foolish to treat it lightly. In, tempor- in a temporary fit of grief or discouragement, a person will often say, I wish I were dead or I'd be better off dead. Words like that are direct invitation to the spirit of death. I have ministered uh, to hundreds of people who opened themselves up to the spirit of death by such words, carelessly spoken. Now, where do the demonic lodge? Number one, emotions and attitudes. Number two, the mind. Number three, the tongue. Number four, sex. Number five, physical appetites. Now, let's get the nine-step process uh, script to total self-deliverance. The ministry of deliverance is a harvest field in which many properly equipped workers are needed. We realize, therefore, that many who are reading this text or the audio may not have any human source of help to one to whom they can turn. But thanks be to God, the way is always open to the one who is the deliverer, Jesus. If you decided to take this route, we have outlined for you a series of nine steps that can lead you through to the deliverance and victory you need. Okay, step one is, uh, I would uh, take the nine steps and then run through them one after the other. So step, step one is, personally affirm your faith in Jesus. Step two, humble yourself. Step three, confess any known sins. Step four, repent of all sins. Step five, forgive all other people. Step six, break with the occult and false religions. Step seven, prepare to be released from every cause. Uh, and then step eight, take your stand with God and then step nine expel step nine expel okay all right so read carefully through the nine steps step by step until you are sure you fully understand each of them then we will provide you with a form prayer by which you can claim your deliverance from every demonic expression. You are provided by the blood of Jesus only when you are rightly related to him and walking in obedience. Be sure, therefore, that you have prayed the prayer in faith before you take your stand against the demon. Now, step one, personally affirm your faith in Christ. Jesus is the high priest of our confession. That's Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. The Greek word translated confession means saying the same as. Therefore, we say the same about what Jesus has done for us, as the Bible has already said. We make the words of our mouths agree with the word of God. We proclaim the victory of Jesus in a bold and personal way on our own behalf. When we do so, we invoke his ministry as our high priest to bring our need before God the Father thus releasing the whole authority of heaven on our behalf. If we fail to confess our faith in this way, we give Jesus no basis on which to intervene for us. So the prayer, the first one is, Lord Jesus Christ, repeat after me, I believe you are the Son of God, and only way 
to God that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again so that I might be forgiven and receive eternal life. Now step two is humble yourself. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. As 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 5 to 6 emphasis added. If we approach God with an attitude of pride, He resists us and we have no access to Him. So our first step towards God must be to humble ourselves, to say to God, I need you. God never offers to make us humble. Throughout the Bible, He places the responsibility on us. God can humiliate us and sometimes He may have to. But only we can make ourselves humble. If we are willing, however, God will supply all the grace we need. When we seek deliverance from demons, there may come uh, a point when we have to choose between dignity and deliverance. If dignity becomes more important than deliverance, we have not really repented of our pride. If you're not prepared to humble yourself, you will not be willing to take the steps that follow. So prayer, I renounce all pride and religious self-righteousness and any dignity that does not come from you. I have no claim on your mercy except that you died in my place. Now, step three, confess any known sin. Anywhere in the Bible, uh, nowhere in the Bible does God commit himself to forgive sins that have not been confessed. But for those who confess, he promises clear. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 God is faithful because he has promised. He just because Jesus has already paid the penalty for our sins. If you are troubled about some specific sin, be honest about it. Do not call it by some fancy psychiatric name. Most of the names for our basic sins are not pretty, and God forgives them only when we acknowledge them as sins. He never promised to forgive problems. If we have a problem with overeating, call it by its name, the sin of gluttony. If it's loss, call it loss. If it is hatred, call it hatred. If it's gossip, call it gossip. Remember, too, that once you have told God the worst about yourself, you have not shocked him. He knew it all before you told him. Furthermore, he still loves you. It's not wise, however, to indulge in self-analysis. Simply relax and let the Holy Spirit bring to your mind any specific sins you need to confess. Remember, he is your helper. So prayer, I confess all my sins before you and hold nothing back. Especially I confess and then you list out those issues that you want to do, uh, take care of. Step uh, or confess about. Step number four, repent of all sins. It is necessary to confess your sins, but that by itself is not enough. You must also repent for your sins. He who covers his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and take forsake them will have mercy. Proverbs 28.13 You must first confess, then forsake your sins. To forsake your sins means to turn away from them completely. You need to ask him to help you hate that sin as he hates it. Remember, repentance involves two things. First, you must accept personal responsibility for what you have done. You cannot hide behind some other persona, parent, spouse, or minister perhaps, and hold him or her responsible for the wrong things you yourself have done. Nor can you blame demons for your sin. Your attitude must be, I am guilty, and acknowledge it. Second, you must take the same stand against your sin that God himself takes. Do not try in any way to minimize or excuse it. Hate 
it as God hates it, then sin will have no power over you. Prayer, I repent of all my sins. I turn away from them all. And I turn to you, Lord, for mercy and forgiveness. Step 5. Forgive all the other people. In Mark chapter 11, verse 25-26, Jesus established an unvarying spiritual law. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your sin. Okay? If we desire forgiveness from God for our sins, we must unconditionally forgive all those who have sinned against us. Matthew 18:23-25. When we consider the incalculable, incalculable death, death, each of us owes God for the sins we have committed against him. The most that any fellow human being owes us by comparison, just a few dollars. The judgment on the unforgiving servant was to be delivered to the torturers. Verse 34. If you want to be delivered from the torturers, you must really forgive all those who have offended or harmed you in any way. Remember that forgiving another person is not primarily an emotion. It's a decision of will. First, you must make a firm decision. Then you must verbalize it. I forgive so and so of all the wrong he or she did to me. I lay down all bitterness, all resentment, all hatred. Deciding in your heart then, speaking it out with your mouth, makes your act of forgiving uh, effective. By decision of my soul prayer now, by decision of my will, I freely forgive all who have ever harmed or wronged me. I lay down all bitterness, all resentment, and all hatred, especially for I forgive. And then you list out the names of the people you are forgiving. Step number six, break with occult and all false religion. God hates any doctrine or practice that puts some other person or thing in a place of undivided loyalty and wholehearted worship that belongs solely to God. Somewhere in the background of all these other systems locks the one who is the academy of God and man. If you want to draw near to God, you must severe all contact with Satan. This includes removing from your possession and from where you live anything that in any way links you to the occult or to the satanic. This includes books, souvenirs, charms, and objects of art. Remember, Moses warned one into Israel, nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed destruction but like it. Uh, Deuteronomy 7.26. The best way to dispose of such things is if possible to burn them. Remember this is how the Christians in Ephesus responded when they realized their occult scrolls linked them to the power of demon. Follow their example. If your circumstances prevent you from doing this immediately, you make a commitment to go to God to do it just as soon as you have the opportunity. So prayer. I severe all contact I have ever had with the occult or with all false religion, particularly them. I commit myself to get rid of all objects associated with the occult or false religion. In Jesus name. Amen. Number seven, prepare to be released from every curse over your life. The Bible has much to say about the power of blessing and curses. Altogether, it mentions them about 600 times. Contemporary Western Christendom has tended to focus on the blessings and to regard the causes as a superstitious carryover from the Middle Ages. 
But this is unscriptural, unrealistic, because it's a dark shadow over our lives that shuts out part at least of God's blessing. Two of the blessings that may be excluded by a cause are physical healing and deliverance from evil spirit. List of uh, some problems that commonly indicate that the causes at work. Number one, a mental or emotional breakdown. Number two, repeated or chronic sickness, especially if hereditary. Number three, barrenness. A tendency to miscarry or related female problems. Number four, breakdown of marriage and family alienation. Number five, continuing financial insufficiency. Number six, being accident prone. Number seven, a family history of suicidal or unnatural or untimely deaths. There is one all-sufficient scriptural basis for release from a cause. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross by which he took on himself every cause due to us. That in turn, we might inherit the blessing of Abraham who was blessed by God in all things. See Galatians 24 verse 1, Galatians 3, 13 to 14. If you sense there is some cause over your life, seek release from it on the basis of what Jesus did for you on the cross when he was made a cause. Lord Jesus, I thank you that on the cross you were made a cause that I may be redeemed from every cause and inherit God's blessings. On that basis, I ask you to release me and set me free to receive the deliverance I need. In Jesus' name, amen. Number eight, take your stand with God. Make a firm decision and speak it out. I submit my will, my purpose, my future, my whole life to God. I take my stand with God against all sin, all evil, and every kind of demon. As soon as you take your stand with God, He also takes His stand with you. You can enjoy the confidence expressed in Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? One way God may come to your help is by revealing the identity of any demons you need to expel. Dealing with a demon can be like dealing with a fierce dog. When you call the dog by his name, you have more authority over it. You may already be aware of the names of a specific demon or demons from which you need to be delivered. Or it may be happen that as you enter the process of deliverance, the name of a demon will come to your name, to your mind. These are two of the ways the Holy Spirit may come to your help. If the Holy Spirit does give you the name of a specific demon, you your next step must be to take a deliberate step, stand with God against the demon, and to verbalize it, speak it out, you spirit of loss or rejection or confusion or whatever, I take my stand against you in the name of Jesus. I no longer submit to you. You have no power more place in me. I command you to go. You cannot afford to be passive. Remember James 4, 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and be will, and he will flee from you. Prayer. I take my stand with you, Lord, against all Satan's demons. I submit to you, Lord, and I resist the devil. Amen. Step 9. Expel. This is so simple and practical that it does not seem spiritual. But it works. You should not attempt to do it, however, until you have prayed the prayer. The word for spirit in both Hebrew and Greek is the word for wind, and also the word for breath. So how do you get rid of breath? You expel it, usually through your mouth. There are, however, eight other orifices in the human body. At times, a demon may come out through any one of them. Or in other ways, a demon masturbation frequently comes out through the fingers. A spirit of crippling is often expelled with convulsive movements of the body. 
If it happens that a demon does not come out through your mouth, but through some other orifice or area of your body, you will become aware of it. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit and He will show you what to do. But most frequently, you may expect to expel a demon through your mouth. Prayer. Now I speak to any demons that have come, have control over me. Speak directly to them. I command you to go from me now. In the name of Jesus, I expel you. Amen. Each time you experience a release, praise and thank God for it. Giving thanks and praise is the simplest and purest expression of faith. It also creates an atmosphere that demons find intolerable. When you feel your deliverance is complete or that you have come far as you can, at this time. Be sure to kneel down and make Jesus Lord of every area of your life. Remembering the warning of Jesus that if a demon comes back and finds a house empty, he will return and bring others with him. On your own, you do not have the strength to keep the demons out. But if the Lord Jesus has taken up residence within you, you have his help to keep them out. This reminds me of a woman who was consistently victorious in her Christian life. When asked her secret, she said, Whenever the devil knocks at the door, I just let Jesus answer. Do not try to fight the demons by yourself. If you feel your deliverance is not complete, wait until your strength returns or you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit. Then continue with the process of getting the demons out. The thing that's really important is that you've discovered the reality of demons and how to deal with them. For now, you are responsible to deal with them in the same way uh, whenever, wherever, and whenever you encounter them. Finally, here is a reminder that applies to every Christian. You never need to be ashamed of having been delivered from demons. In the Gospel word record, there was one person to whom God granted a unique and glorious honor. To be the first woman witness of the resurrection of Jesus, the incident is recorded in Mark 69. Now when he rose early in the morning, first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Think of it, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, who was identified as the one out of whom he had cast seven demons. If Mary never needed to be ashamed, no, no more do you if you too have been delivered from demons. There is however one thing of which you might need to be ashamed. If you discovered you needed deliverance from demons but pride keeps you from acknowledging your need and being set free. Praise the Lord. So let's go to one testimony of deliverance from exposure to rock music for application. Rock music is one of the main channels and its potential for harm is fearsome. I'm writing to you today to tell you of my struggles with demonization, and this is a testimony. I know that I write probably. Uh, I know that what I write probably won't be new for you, but to friends, family, and church leaders, I must look like a psychopath. It all started when I was 16 and started listening to one of my brother's rock albums. This was not just any rock album, but a very demonic album. The album was by. Black Sabbath, and the cover had 66 on top with a demonic looking creature peering at you. On the inside of the album was a picture of a man in bed with seven demons, at least six or seven, around him, as if uh, to bounce on him. The look on the man's face was so, that was pure agony. I only listened to it once or twice, but that was too many. 
one day I heard a very peculiar noise coming from the stereo cabinet. When I bent over to reach for the doors, a, fierce, a force went in me or through me and pushed me back. This was a very distinct force and I am sure that demons were involved. I had a thought that I should hide the album so no one could throw it away. Surely this was from the demons. To this day, I can't remember where I hid it, even though I pray for remembrance. Well, ever since then, my life has been a living hell. This demon hold me down and paralyzed me when I start to fall asleep. I can't move, speak, or open my eyes. All I can do is cry out mentally for Jesus to help me. These demons are vicious. They rape me in every way imaginable. I could get graphic and give a more detailed account, but I don't think that would be appropriate at this time. This was an every night ordeal for me from the time I was 16 until I was 31. The sexual abuse started to subside when I started attending Bible study and church regularly. Now I know what you are probably thinking. Are you saved? And is Jesus Lord of your life? I said the Lord's Prayer when I was 12 with my mother at my side and I've said it hundreds of times since then. This is due mainly to the fact that Christian friends and everyone in any of the churches and Bible studies I have been to tell me this can't happen to a Christian. So, you see, I am waiting for signs of my salvation by the evidence of my life getting back to normal. It is hard to believe or have faith when you are bombarded with so many completing reports. I can't even think anymore or hold down a job for more than 6 to 12 months. I am not stupid. I earned an engineering degree. I am just confused. I come from a so-called Christian family. Both my parents are born again along with one of my two sisters. My only brother is not. My parents are supporters of your ministry, but I don't think they believe in demonization of people. I think this is because every time I bring it up, my father will weakly and timidly tell me to rebuke it in the name of Jesus and turn and walk away. My mother on the other hand refuses to acknowledge it and has even told my sister to stop discussing it with me. My mother's side of the family um, has a potential demonic nature for father for her father died, was a Freemason and her mother also dead and two surviving sisters living out of three are involved with Eastern Star. I know this later sounds really crazy but I hope it makes a little sense to you and I wish I could tell you more but that would mean writing a book. Isn't this tragic? A professing Christian is tormented by a demon but receives no understanding much less help from fellow Christians. Obviously the young man was foolish to expose himself to forces so obviously satanic but others are exposed to similar satanic forces in less obvious forms. They combine elements at a rock concert. A discotheque, for example, also opened the door, the way for demons, deafening music with an insistent, repetitive beat, lyrics that range from mad, mindless to blasphemous, strobe lights constantly fluctuating in color and intensity. The impact can break down a person's ability to reason or excuse, exercise moral judgment, and thus open the way for demons, especially if alcohol or drugs are involved. Now, let's uh, go through uh, the self-deliverance prayer that we have put together at the end of this, uh, uh, this thing. So, repeat after me, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. You redeemed me by your blood 
I belong to you. I want to live for you. I confess all my sins known and unknown. I'm sorry for them all. I renounce them all. I forgive all others as I want you to forgive me. Forgive me now and cleanse me with your blood. I thank you for the deliverer. I thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses me from all sin. And I come to you now as my deliverer. You know my special needs, the things that binds, that torments, that defiles, that evil spirit, that unclean spirit. I claim the promise of your word. Whosoever that calleth on the name of the Lord shall be de delivered. I call upon you now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver me and set me free. Satan, I renounce you and all your works. I lose myself from you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I command you to lead me right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let it come from your heart and see the salvation of the Lord. So are you sick or in need, uh, in need for deliverance and restoration? Now, for those who are sick or well in whatever shape or form or needing deliverance or restoration, kindly touch the dot below in faith as you listen to me, connect to the voice, or connect with the text on the website. Faith is seeing the precise positive outcome of your current situation, knowing that Jesus has done his part more than 2,000 years ago. Secure your healing and deliverance, restoration as a down payment. Trusting that that down payment is available to you to draw from, like a positive balance in your checking account with the bank, no question asked. As we agree with you and pronounce, be healed in the name and be delivered and be restored in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. By the authority you have granted unto me and unto them, I exercise that authority now in faith with their anger against the enemy and hunger to get what you have freely given unto them all. Across every illness, every disease, be it cancer, COVID-19, be it spirit of infirmities, be it demonic possession or oppression, be it the spirit of poverty, setbacks, delayed fulfillment, what God has already determined and released. We come against the anomaly, we bind them, we cause them to their root, and we cast them out by authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We call for a release of healing, deliverance and restoration into their lives in the mighty name of jesus christ amen thank you lord for testimony that abide into your glory and honor and adoration thank you for souls that have been added to your kingdom as a result of this message the miracles that we are already seeing right now are manifesting for your glory in the name of jesus amen it is done touch this spot Highlight it as a point of contact and confess with your mouth, I am healed, I am delivered, and I am restored in my spirit, soul, body, and all around me in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Begin to do what you could not do before and begin to confess until full healing, deliverance, or restoration becomes a fruit in your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stay hungry for all of God. Stay angry and take back all that the enemy has held back. In Jesus' name. Amen. Note, testify to the healing for God's glory and to the shame of the enemy send us an email whatsapp us if you still need us to agree with you on any issue go to the content on otakada.org and do a search on any subject on any title and it's right there at your fingertip and build up your faith share why this content so that it can be a blessing to others shalom ambassador monday ogbe otakada cyber church ministries uh, that's the otakada.org may the lord bless you and keep you the Lord cause his countenance to shine upon you brightly and give you peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. May he cause the lines to begin to fall for you in pleasant places. May he bring uh, 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 beauty 
for ashes in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, the oil of gladness for, for, for mourning in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for answer prayer. Shalom. In Jesus' name, amen.